This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Relock, and welcome to the Preview Podcast, the show that goes behind enemy lines to get the inside track on Liverpool's next opponents and also get word from inside the Reds' camp. Jurgen Klopp's unbeaten team return to action this afternoon when they make the trip to Vicarage Road to take on Watford. Now, Liverpool will be favourites to bring three points back to Merseyside and kick off a very important week in the perfect fashion. But the guest of this podcast makes it clear that Watford will be no pushovers. David Cameron Walker is the football editor at TalkSport, as well as being a big fan of the Hornets. He explains why Watford are enjoying their best ever start to a Premier League season and how they will approach the game, as well as giving an insight into the player people like Reds legend Jan Moldy would love to see at Anfield, Abdoulaye Decore. You'll then hear from our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce, who was at Melwood on Friday afternoon for Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference. James runs us through the main highlights, including Klopp's reaction to Sadio Mane's new contracts and comments made by the Egypt coach about Mo Salah, his opinion on the Hornets, speculation that Fabinho could leave in January, and the latest team news. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back tonight with the post-game podcast. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, hi David. Firstly, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to talk Watford, Liverpool's opponents at Vicarage Road on Saturday. How are you? Yeah, very good for you. Yeah, good mate. It's been a few years since we've spoken and, and probably back then Watford were in the Championship, but they're, they're doing well in the Premier League, aren't they, at the moment? Uh, I think it's well documented how good a season Liverpool are having, uh, even even if they've not been at their blistering best yet. But the same can be said of Watford, who are just a point off the top six and, and four behind the top five. Yeah, absolutely. We're having a good season so far. And this isn't, however, um, an unfamiliar situation for Watford to be in. We've, we've had good first halves of the seasons in the last in the last sort of three seasons that we've been up in, in the Premier League. Um, maybe the high point being when we beat Liverpool 3-0 at Vicarage Road a few years ago in our first season up. And it was kind of all, it was all good. And then every season we've seen us drop off. So we're at a point now where there's a lot of optimism around the club because we feel like this could be the season where we do actually kick on and we don't drop off a cliff in the second half of the season. And, and some of the reason for that optimism has been, I suppose, our performances against some of the top teams this season. We've beaten Tottenham very comfortably at Vicarage Road earlier in the season. We've pushed Arsenal Manchester United really hard and we've played them. We're unlucky not to get more points out of those games. So... Looking ahead to the game against Liverpool on Saturday, we're we're quite—I wouldn't say confident—but there is a feeling that if everything goes our way, we could come out of the out of the game on Saturday with with some points. Oh, that'd be it'd be some result given Liverpool's record against teams outside the top six uh, so far this season. I don't think they've dropped a point apart from when they played Chelsea, Arsenal, and City. But just before we go back, we come on to the game itself. I know, and I was looking at Watford last season because I was I thought they struggled towards the back end, and I think they only won one of the last nine games. But you know, I think in fairness, they had some very hard away matches in that running, including a trip to Anfield, which we may talk about in a moment. But but what's changed this season? Why have they, they kicked on so much, or you know, why is there so much promise there? Well, I think last season when Javi Gracia came in uh, to replace Marco Silva, who obviously went up to that part of the world up in the yeah. other side, it was a well documented situation there. Um, the club was in, in the team rather was in a bit of a mess. Silva had come in and had done really well at the start of the season. We remember that first game of last season, three all draw at home to Liverpool on the first day, and it sort of carried on from there. We beat Arsenal and we. We were doing really well. We were flying high. But as soon as Everton were interested in him, it seemed that everything seemed to 
to go to pot really and his focus if you if we believe what we've heard from people in the club and people who know what was going on at the time his focus completely went there was a lot of unrest in the dressing room and he wanted to take some players with him to Everton maybe Richardson was one of them because he eventually ended up there and we, we were in a bit of a mess so Grassi had to come in and pick up the pieces really there wasn't time for him to come in and really do much else than just get us back on track get us winning home games we ground out a few 1-0 victories at home in the in the latter half of the season and that really kept our necks above water we were awful away from home didn't win any lost every single game away from home under Gracia um, actually apart from his first one which was a 0-0 away at Stoke but we were terrible away from home and he kind of just had to fight a fire really and get us to the end of the season and keep us up but then the key thing as to why we've been so good this season so far I think has been the summer we retained a manager for once from one season yeah. to the next <laughs> which every season so far in the Premier League we haven't done that even when we came up we got rid of Yukanovic replaced him with, with Kike Flores Flores went Paul Mazzari came in he went Silva came in and then he went halfway through the season. So we've not had somebody going from one season to the next. And I think the fact that Gracia was able to do that, he had the sort of six months to kind of get his head around the players and see what he liked and what he didn't like. And then in the summer, he embedded his philosophy. And we've seen a united Watford. Everything that we've seen from the training ground and the reports from the players and the manager, it seems everyone's happy. There's a real positive feeling in the camp, which there certainly wasn't halfway through last season and tactically as well he's had the chance to to get the players working to his plan and we've really seen the benefit of that with the performances on on the field this season he's he's a very good coach from right from day one he emphasized that he's the head he's the the head coach the first team coach he's not the manager he doesn't deal with the, the transfers he'll take the players that he gets and he'll make them into the best that they can be in, in, in how, as he sees fit. And we really have done well this season tactically, apart from a couple of hiccups here and there. We lost 4-0 at home to Bournemouth in a bit of a, a nightmare game. But we've we've been really impressive on the pitch this season, particularly against the top teams. So a lot of credit to the manager, Javi Gracia, but who are, the pl- who are the players do you think have been key to Watford's strong start? Well, I suppose actually a lot of um, of the attention has been on you know, as usual, Troy Deeney, Decore gets a lot of attention because he's very good. Will Hughes has had a positive start to this season. Um, we've seen Gerard Delefeo come back in the last few weeks and be very good. Roberto Pereira has been excellent for us this season. But one player I would like to, to pick out who perhaps hasn't got uh, quite got the headlines that I feel he deserves this season is Etienne Capu. He's been with us since we came up to the Premier League three seasons ago. And he, his form has fluctuated during that time. We've seen periods where he's been excellent, goal-scoring midfielder, when he kind of, a, uh, for want of a better phrase, a fair-weather player. When, when everything's going well, we're winning games, we're on top, he's not making plays, he's running around the pitch and he's looking like a, an absolutely superb player. But when, it, when the chips are down, he's often been found wanting. But this season, he, he's been a revelation. Gracia has obviously, he put him straight into the team last season when he hadn't been playing under Silver and there seems to be a really good relationship between the manager and the player. And he, I think, probably been our, pound for pound, been our best player this season. He's, he's got incredible stats. He's, he's right up there in terms of interceptions, in terms of tackles and ground covered. And that midfield really is Watford's strong point. The defence is OK. The, the attackers can be hot and cold. But the midfield of Capu, of Decore, of Will Hughes, of Pereira, of Delefeo, 
Um, and we've got Nathaniel Chalabar as well, who hasn't really featured much with his injury situation, but he's there as well. Cleverly's coming back, so we really do have a very strong midfield. That's quite interesting, that, because I wouldn't say midfield has been a problem area for Liverpool so far this season, but I think it'd be fair to say Jurgen Klopp has not settled on his preferred partnerships in there. Do you think this could be where you know Watford could have a bit of joy then? Possibly. I think, as I said, it's certainly our, our strong, strongest area of the pitch, and I think the... The difficulty Watford have any any side has, as you know, playing against Liverpool is you know you're not you're not going to have a lot of the ball. When you do have the ball, you're going to be hassled off it. They're going to press us, um, maybe not quite as uh, energetically as they have done in previous seasons. I'm sure, as I'm sure you might be able to tell me, the tactics might slightly yeah. have changed this season for Klopp. But but yeah, I mean, if our midfield can get hold of the ball, then they can do damage. They can get they can. You, if Decore and Capu can get the ball and give it to Pereira, give it to De La Feu, feed Isaac Success or Andre Gray or Troy Deeney, whoever's playing ahead of them, then that's where we'll look to to, to damage Liverpool. But it, it will really be an afternoon where we have to concentrate and the defence are going to have a lot to do. Ben Foster has been another player I should mention this season. We signed him in the summer from West Brom. He's come back to the club after having been there previously when we were last in the Premier League over 10 years ago. And a lot's changed in that time. But he... He's still a very good goalkeeper and he's kept us in some games and some really important moments, made some really big saves. The recent win against Huddersfield, he made a number of saves which kept us in the game when we went on to win comfortably. But early on, they had a few chances and he really saved us and he's, he's been a man for the big moment this season. I'm sure he'll have a lot to do on Saturday. I just have to ask you about Abdullah Decore because I know he's a player who's been linked with Liverpool in the past. Uh, it sounds like Etienne Capu, he's, uh, he's been outshined a bit by him this season. But do you think Decore's got that ability to maybe make a step up to what you would call a top six club? I, I do, yeah. I do. I mean, he's at a top seven club at the moment. Yeah, that's very true. No, good point. <laughs> but, good point. But um, I think he does have the, the ability to, to step up and play for, you know, genuine top six, top four club. He's been linked with PSG. Um, quite heavily in recent times, and I think if he was to move there, he'd, he'd be fine in the Champions League. And, you know, strutting, and, strutting his stuff alongside some of the players they've got there. And I think you could see him playing for Liverpool or Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, maybe United, maybe even Man City, and in the right circumstances, he, he is that good. He's been so impressive over the last sort of eighteen months because he, he very, very nearly left the club. He was signed in a January transfer window and immediately sent out on loan to Granada, the Spanish club, which. Pozzo's also owned at the time and he came back and he didn't really get in the team and we weren't sure about him the manager didn't really like him and they were literally ready to send him out on a transfer deadline day the next January um, but the papers didn't get done in time he stayed and he got put in the team due to a lot of injuries in that January and he and he flourished and then last season he was in one of the first names on the first names on the team sheet and he really had a breakthrough season last last season he's a very athletic midfielder he gets up and down the pitch he is kind of a as, as close as you'll find these days, I think, to a sort of real box-to-box mm-hmm. midfielder. He, he, he's not, A lot of people may, may sort of call him a defensive midfielder, but he's actually very good at linking the defence to the attack. He'll get on the ball. He's very comfortable in tight spaces. He'll receive the ball with players around him and he can turn one way or the other. He can, he can lay it off and he can drive forward. He'll look to push forward as well. He's not just like a Jorginho who'll, who'll get the ball and just lay it off easy sideways over. He is a progressive player as well, and you know his stats are very good, right up there with some of the best central midfielders in the league. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if he did go. There'll be talk in January, I imagine, of more clubs will be linked with him. PSG, as I said, are the main ones at the moment. But he only signed a new contract with us um, just before the window shut in August. So 
that means his value will still be high to the club. But I think he's committed at least for this season and then in the summer he'll definitely be one of those that will be looking to possibly move on. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. There was a big name departure in the summer just gone where Richarlison swapped Watford for Liverpool's Merseyside rivals Everton uh, joined Marco Silva at the club. But as good as he's been at Goodison Park, he doesn't seem to have been missed too much by Watford. Why is that? Well, he wasn't actually playing week in, week out towards the end of his time at Watford last season. Gracia inherited him as the kind of main attacking focal point of the team. He had a, he had a great first few months of the season under Marco Silva. And I, there's obviously a big relationship between those two two men. And they speak the same language. Well, Charleston was a young boy coming from Brazil at that point, And he got thrust into the action. Uh, he actually got brought on for the man who went on to eclipse him. Roberto Pereira went off injured in that first game against Liverpool last season. Richardson came off the bench, changed the game. And he, and he, and he never looked back. Um, but during that period of change last season, when Silva left and was, or was about to leave, it was noticeable that his form... Charlton's form dropped and his head dropped, his confidence went. He was having a lot of shots. I think he had like the most shots last season um, without scoring a goal in a certain period of time, something like 50, goal, 50 shots on goal without, without scoring towards the end of the season. It was something like that. It was, it was really high. He was still trying, but he was snatching at his shots and he wasn't quite, he wasn't quite hitting the, the form that we'd seen earlier in the season. But so... He he's clearly a very talented player, and I think he's already gone on to, to better things than what he was achieving last season. He's at a, he's at a big club at Everton. He's now right in the front running for the starting, you know, even ahead of players like Neymar for Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of why Watford didn't miss him, we've got a lot of options. As I said, in the midfield, um, we we have an embarrassment of riches, really, relatively speaking, for our level. And, and his replacement really was Roberto Ferreira who have been at the club for a few seasons, but got a really bad knee injury in his first season with us. He already had sort of long-standing historic knee problems before we signed him. But then he did his one of his ligaments, I think, in a game against Man City in his first season, just after we'd only seen him for a few months. He looked like he was playing well. And then that was it. He was out for sort of best part of a year. And when he came back, he was very protective of his body. You could see he was a bit tentative in the way that players are when they come back from such a serious injury. So I think it took him most of last season to get going again and to feel that confidence in his own body. And towards the end of the season, he really did. He finished strongly. He was in the team every week. Gracia put a lot of faith in him, and he's carried that into this season. He's been our main, really our main sort of source of attacking uh, threat this season. He scored a lot of goals. He made a, a lot of assists. He, he scored two on the first day against Brighton, and that really set him up for what we've seen in the last in the last few months. So. Our fears when we sold Richarlison, hope, yeah, thankfully, haven't really come to pass because Pereira has stepped up and has been the player that we've always hoped he could be. No worries. To the game itself on Saturday, uh, you mentioned Javi Garcia's got a great record at home. and Whenever I've seen Watford play like the Arsenal game away, Man United a game at home, they showed no fear whatsoever. They, they really attack those teams. Do you think it'll be more of the same against uh, Liverpool on Saturday or will that 5-0 defeated Anfield uh, back in March when Mo Salah scored four still be in the minds a little bit? I suppose it might be. I mean, they're going to have to be mindful of of the attacking threats of Liverpool. But I think we're in a different place than we were last season. And both teams are. I mean, I don't think three, three in August last year. And equally, I don't think it's going to be a five, a five nil like we saw at Anfield. I think 
Liverpool aren't quite as all-gas-blazing as they were last season. We have got to a better place with our manager and with our squad. I think he won't be. He won't look to completely shut up shop. I don't think and kind of try and withstand all the pressure from Liverpool. I think we're, there'll be a recognition that we're at home. We've we've threat. We've beaten a top team in Spurs. We've pushed Manchester United right to the limit early this season. So there's no reason why we can't look to get something out of this game. But what what I think we'll see is. There'll be, a, there'll be a very clear game plan from, from Grecia. And he, he's got a very good record when he was in Spain. He was Malaga coach and he was uh, had a reputation for being able to go to the big teams, Barcelona, Real, and getting something, you know, or, or at least minimising the defeat. And you know, he's very good at looking at the opposition and working out what we need to do to, to get something. And I think we're quite narrow in midfield. We've got our wide players that come in quite a lot, so we're quite compact. I think that will probably suit us because you've got some very good sort of wide players. We'll, we can't really go toe-to-toe, so I think we'll probably concede possession out wide but then look to defend it in the middle of the pitch. And if we can, use our pace that we do have to sort of break and, and hit you on the counter if, if we can. Just a final one, then I'll have to push you for prediction. Do you think Watford can uh, become the first team outside of the top six to take points off Liverpool and maybe push themselves into the top six? I I would love to to, to think that we could we could really put on uh, you know an all time performance and and beat you beat you again uh, at Vicarage Road for the second time in a few years. But I think this is going to be a tough a really tough afternoon for Watford. Liverpool, whilst not as spectacular as last season, are getting the points. They're getting the job done. They're still unbeaten, and I I would I'd be delighted with a point, but I think it might be a narrow Liverpool victory. David, thank you very much for your time. That was a fascinating insight into Watford and hopefully we can uh, catch up again when in the return match for Anfield later in the season. No worries. Good luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, we've just heard from Jurgen Klopp ahead of Liverpool's Premier League trip to Watford on Saturday. And unsurprisingly, the Liverpool manager in uh, great spirits on the back of that. Uh, great news that Sadio Mane has committed his future to the club until 2023. Klopp saying he believes it's a, a mark of the progress the club has made in recent years. The, the fact that elite players like, like Mane and Firmino and Salah in the, in the months leading up to this have all committed their futures and, and signed on the dotted line. And Klopp talking about how maybe before that there was a sense that uh, top players had their heads turned and and felt that they had to go elsewhere to achieve their dreams. Now they believe they can uh, they can achieve that by by staying right here. So uh, the perfect boost for Liverpool as they uh, return to Premier League action against the Hornets. Klopp full of uh, admiration for uh, the season Watford have had so far. I think it's their best ever start to a Premier League season. Um, talking about how how good they are in terms of their physical. Uh, capabilities. It will certainly be a battle for Liverpool down at, at Vicarage Road on on Saturday, and the and the speed they've got out wide as well. So uh, of course Liverpool have had mixed results down there in recent years. You think about you know, the the horrendous time when Adam Bogdan threw one in early on, and you had that fantastic bicycle kick from Emre Chan, and a, you know a crazy three three draw on the, on the opening weekend. So. Uh, it's, uh, it's a big game for Liverpool Club talking about uh, the fact that this kicks off a run of 10 games in the space of 40 days for the Reds. It certainly 
is going to be a, a season-defining period, both in the Premier League and the Champions League, as Liverpool look to secure their passage uh, into the knockout stages. The good news, team news-wise, is that uh, Jordan Henderson is fit. He's trained normally this week. Um, didn't play for England last weekend against Croatia due to a, a minor hamstring issue, but uh, he's fine. Uh, the only absentee is Adam Lallana. Klopp said he's got a minor issue that will keep him out of the weekend. But apart from that, um, you know, uh, pretty much a, a full compliment for the manager, apart from you know the long-term absentees like Alec Oxlade-Chamberlain and, uh, and Rian Brewster. But uh, Klopp also... Uh, rubbishing speculation that Fabino, one of his summer signings, could be offloaded in January. There have been a number of reports that um, AC Milan and Juventus were uh, looking to give him a new home, but uh, there's absolutely no chance of that, as we reported in the Echo earlier on this week. And Klopp just confirming that, said he's uh, delighted with the progress that Fabino's making after a difficult start when he needed time on the training ground to adjust to, to Klopp's way of working. And uh, he expects Fabino to kick on in, in much the same way as, as Naby Keita. It's been a stop-start season for Naby Keita so far since that £52 million move from RB Leipzig. Um, but Klopp saying you know, he got 90 minutes under his belt during the international break um, for, for Guinea. Klopp saying that he, he said he, he actually didn't train on Wednesday uh, due to fatigue. He said he had to take three flights to, to get himself back to Merseyside. But um, he said that Kaiser had looked good in, in training on Thursday uh, and should certainly be part of the squad. Uh, Klopp also didn't take too kindly to uh, being uh, reminded about the comments from Egypt's manager talking about how Mo Salah might have to uh, find himself a new club if he doesn't win trophies with Liverpool over the next couple of years. Uh, I think that the message was was pretty clear that uh, you know he uh, he's got he's got no right to be poking his nose into Liverpool's business. And anyway, you know Klopp fully believes that Mo Salah will achieve his uh, his dreams by by staying right here. Klopp also confirming that uh, Liverpool have uh, have extended the contract to the throwing coach. Of course, we, we saw with Joe Gomez um, his impact for England, how much of a, you know a difference he's made. Uh, Klopp joking that they should probably share the uh, the salary demands with England because England as well as Liverpool uh, are benefiting from uh, from that expertise so plenty of uh, issues covered Klopp also just finally on Daniel Sturridge um, you know wouldn't be drawn obviously with the FA case gone going into you know potential breaking of the uh, the rules on betting uh, wouldn't be drawn on the exact details of the case but you know what he did say is that it hasn't affected Sturridge in training he said he'd look sharp um, didn't notice any any changes in his uh, in his demeanour, and you know he's available for selection, uh, and should be part of that squad down at Watford on uh, on Saturday. So uh, after a long couple of weeks, proper football's back, uh, and I'll be down there for all the uh, the latest updates on Saturday afternoon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.